Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's a Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, December the 6th, the 19 days until Christmas. 19 days, which would mean 18 shopping days, although for some of us it still means 19 shopping days until Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Maybe 20. He's Chris <laughs> Sims. I'm Mike Florio. We're here on Peacock, Series XM85, Sky Sports NFL, whenever they bother to play the show, and podcast, whenever, wherever, however you get your podcast. Chris, you got your coffee. You're ready to go. Ready to I go. I was extra early today, yeah. and we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to have some fun for a couple hours. Not ready to go when the um, – I mean, do you do you do a lot of, like, Christmas gift buying? Or is that, like, part of your duties? Are you one to go out and get one for the family and here and there and blah, 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 and actually you put in the physical effort? Do you do that at all? No. No. I don't. Okay. All right. No. Do you have any say in My any effort- of the matters, like – like, I don't go out either, so I'm not going to sit here on a high horse and go, oh, yeah, you know, I went around and got gifts for the kids. But, like, my wife, you know, she will show me things. Like, hey, I was thinking of getting the kids this, or I was going to get this kid that, or I was going to get your dad this, right? And, you know, you think that's a good idea, or what about this? So I get involved a little bit. I guess that makes me feel, like, a little bit better, but I don't actually do a whole lot here. The wife holds it down pretty well. Now, my son and I will brainstorm on things we can get for my wife. Right. We will do that. We've commenced that process. We have some ideas. It all comes down to execution. My son has very expensive tastes. He knows how to find, like, Italian-made things. And he got me a pair of shoes last year that I love. It's great. He's very good at spending our money on gifts for us. Very, <laughs> yeah. Very well, yeah. Kids are Kids are good at that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, lately, it's been when he finds a pair of shoes he wants, he offers to get me a pair of them as well. Right. I guess he feels less guilty spending my money if he also gets me the same shoes that he's getting for himself. But anyway, he does a good job with that, and he's very sensitive to that. Wants to make sure there's good presents for mom to show appreciation for mom generally. And mom has spent pretty much every day, literally every day since Thanksgiving, decorating the house. Wow. Wow. It impressive. takes a lot of work. We yeah. got a we got a lot of trees. We got a lot of trees on the premises. At last count there were 14 trees, not quite that many. But there's a lot of trees to put up and decorate. There's a lot of other stuff. She loves having the stuff everywhere and it's a process that is exhausting and every year it's the same. Why do I do this? The payoff comes once it's done and then you've got this house for three weeks, yeah. it looks transformed. Yeah, it's like it's Christmas awesome. vomited everywhere in the house. So there's all kinds of stuff. And every year, right after Christmas, because my wife is very responsible with the family assets, she buys right after Christmas the stuff for next year because it's always on sale. 
<laughs> if you're always just like a little bit behind, you always have new stuff every year. It shows up. You store it. You bring it out. And there it is. Brand new. Ready to go. You got go. it. 26th, 27th, 28th of December at a cut right now. We got so much stuff in the house. So you should, I mean, it it really is an entire production that takes a week and a half with plastic bins full of stuff that gets put all over the place. And it, 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 it really, I, a friend of mine came one time and he's like, is this Gimbal's? Like, what the hell? And it, it really, I mean, it, it really is a magical month. And, and my wife I've got the ultimate excuse. I'm always working. But last night I did contribute. Good, I can always good. kind of sense when it's getting toward the end of the process. And then I'll just kind of jump in for a couple of hours and help. Last night I jumped in for not quite two hours. If I round up very loosely, it was two hours. It was more like one and a little bit of change. But I did contribute to the effort last night to kind of get things finalized. All I right, think it's good. just about done. Good. Yeah, you gotta you gotta contribute to the holiday spirit a little bit. And yeah, it's it's three more weeks. It's less than three weeks, like you said. I mean, it's 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 kind of like jam it all in here. It goes so quickly where it's like the day after Christmas, I'm always like, Oh man, it's so sad. There's nothing to look forward to. I can't play the Christmas music anymore, you know. There's no more Bing Crosby you can play or Nat King Day Cole. After Christmas. I guess that then I do. I, I give it a few days, but not a whole lot. Like I can't go too far past Christmas. So maybe a day it past Christmas. It goes bad fast. Yeah, it goes bad fast. It, it, exactly right. And I overdo it before it gets here, so you're kind of like sick of it when Christmas is over, right? Um Yes, and uh, before you know it, it'll be Christmas. And the other thing that makes the month go fast for us, it's still football season. And it's not just normal football season. It is high stakes coming toward the Playoffs, end. Baby. Playoffs, looming, you know, and, and so that adds to it as well. So, um, and back in the old days. Back like, in your day. Playoffs would start right around Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I it know. Could, yeah. It could make or it could ruin your Christmas. The longest game ever played in the history of the National Football League was played on Christmas Day, 1971. Do you remember the participants, and do you remember how long the game took and who won? Well, let's see. It was a playoff game. I want to say it was Chiefs-Dolphins. Am I correct about that? I don't know. Yes. Thank you. And that was nine years before I was born, everybody out there, so I am a historian. I think that qualifies me. (laughs) 82 minutes and 40 seconds, triple overtime, Christmas Day, 1971. The Dolphins won 27-24. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When I was six. And that was what? Was that like the first round of the playoffs? That's what that was, right? That was divisional round. There's no wild card at that time. I know, it, it is crazy. You know, when I was growing up in my day, right, which is a little after your day, right? So it's a little closer to the present time. Uh, but yeah, this was like Christmas was like the last week of the season, right? So that's how it kind of worked for, for the most part of my youth. And then that first wild card weekend was New Year's weekend, right? January 2nd, January 3rd. That's kind of when it was. And then Super Bowls were the last week of, of January and that's all changed and it keeps getting pushed down the calendar, but either way, it's an exciting time for football and we're getting close, baby. Now, there wasn't a wild card game, but there was a wild, wild card, card team, team, if you right. remember the way right. it was structured back then. Yep. Three division winners plus a wild card. This was actually the game between the AFC East and AFC West champions, Dolphins, Chiefs. They ended up with an identical record of 10-3-1. and The Browns won the AFC Central that year at 9-5, and and it looks like the wild card team would have been the Colts that year at 10 and four. So Dolphins advance and they'd go on to make it to the Super Bowl that year and, and lose. lose to the Cowboys right. setting this stage for their perfect season of 1972. Right. They would win back to back and they're still trying to win their next one since they beat the Vikings in Super Bowl eight at the Cotton Bowl, uh-huh. Texas. So, uh, all right. And and it's good that we're talking about the old days because there's been a lot of talk about the old days and the way football used to be and the adjustments to all the rules. And as it turns out, and I don't know if you saw this post yesterday, Lawrence Taylor was on Tom Brady's podcast talking about how he'd never make it in today's NFL. He'd end up owing more money to the league yeah. than the Giants would have owed to him yeah, right. with all the fines that would have been imposed upon him because he wouldn't have complied 
with the rules that are now in place. I, you saw that post? I did. I did. I saw it. I saw some of the quotes from Lawrence, which is cool. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's different as you talk about it all the time. The game is it, it's the game is not less physical. That's where people need to like there. There is the game is every bit as physical now as before, right? But we've taken some of, I use your phrase, the brutality out of it a little bit, just the sheer brutality out of it, and you know, just to make it a little safer. But the guys are bigger, faster, stronger, flying around, big money, all of that. you got safeties and linebackers, no regards for their body, coming down at 100 miles per hour, hitting people. The car crashes aren't any different. I think the brutality is, is what's different for sure. Well, I think the car crashes are more intense when you just look at basic physics. Yes. Guys keep getting bigger, faster, exactly. stronger. You've got greater forces involved in these collisions, and something had to give. If you played football the way you did in the 80s and 90s, maybe there would be no one left. I mean, look at how many quarterbacks are injured the way that they're playing now when there is this Yeah, none of these are egregious hits effort. on these quarterbacks. So you look at it, you, none of these are like, oh, man, they're just letting them get killed, and this is why they're hurt. I mean, it's not that. I mean, we got, what, a few non-contact injuries? I mean, kind of some stupid stuff a little bit with the quarterback injuries for the most part. Guy stepping on Trevor Lawrence's foot, knocking him down and twisting his ankle up. We'll talk about that in a second. But I was interested by one other thing that Lawrence Taylor said because, you know, he hit pretty much every quarterback around. Right. And you wonder in the years since he's retired, is there some quarterback out there he wishes he would have gotten a chance to hit, especially when he's talking to Tom Brady. So he was set up with that specific question. Right. Is there some quarterback out there that he would like to hit? Let's have a listen to what LT had to say. Oh, I think I know it's coming. Who would you have liked to hit the most in your career if, you, if you'd have had a chance to hit one of these guys today, LT, or, or back when Tom was playing? Back when, to tell you the truth, man, I would have – Love to hit Phil Sims because he was on my team. He talked so much that they go ahead. You know, I just wanted to hit him, but Coach wouldn't let us hit him. It was Coach wouldn't let us hit him. <laughs> I he had a wanted feeling. to get your dad. It's like, hey, uh, see, I, I didn't know if you had known that that's where he would have gone. I mean, your dad helped him out. He'd show up at three in the morning and give him golf clubs and golf clothes. Seriously, I he'd be nicer to your dad. Seriously, well, it, it was one of those I think where it was like the relationship was so close, and dad, you know, dad's got a big mouth as most of the Sims family does and you know would talk and talk smack to him and stuff like that and dad dad i've heard lawrence say that before like oh i wish i could have hit your dad one time right he's told me that i've heard him say it to dad and dad will tell stories about like in practice and training camp where you know he'd run around the edge and kind of go right by my dad and go oh gosh i could have killed you right there right he'd say stuff like that all the time <laughs> oh gosh you're glad i couldn't hit you right there you'd be done right you know so uh there was always those type of stories but yeah lawrence and dad had a had a great relationship still do and uh cool to see lawrence on there and you know to the bigger picture point of all that right with what lawrence is talking about and and, and just not to get on the subject too hard here but i know you know, have you seen J.J. Watt a little bit, you know, talking about some of the fines and things that are going on in football, right? You know, good for him. I've been wanting to kind of piggyback off of what he is saying here the last few weeks where, hey, we're trying to make the game safer, but are we really that intent on taking away money from guys all the time for everything, right? And he's done a great job on the CBS uh, pregame show a few weeks of showing plays and hits where, you know, it's not that egregious. Yeah, you'd like the player to change the way he did it. There was no penalty on the on the field, right? And, you know, it was nothing egregious even when you watch it back on film or whatever. But, yeah, it broke the rules a little bit. The guy, the running back lowered his helmet just a little bit. Is that warrant taking $15,000 away from these guys? Like, does that warrant that? Not all these guys are making millions. Some of these guys are making hundreds of thousands a year. And it, that's not why this was put in place. So that's got to change. It doesn't seem right. It does not seem right. The egregious ones, the ones we know when we see it and we go, oh, wow, that was bad. He deserves to get fined. Sure. But if we don't even notice it in a football game and we got to look at a playback four times ago, wait, who's being fined here? I don't know even what's going on. Somebody got fined on this play. Then you shouldn't be fined. It's wrong. It seems really Here's weird, and that's my issue with that Here's little the problem. rant there. Yeah, yeah. 
here's the problem. Yeah. And I don't want to get into this with JJ. I'm happy to get into it with you. Okay. The entire process is negotiated by the league and the union. Yeah, I hear it isn't you. isn't just the league. I hear you. Picking money out of the players' pockets. The union is part of this and has agreed to it. All those strangely specific dollar figures are the result of negotiation between the league and the union. And we only know half the story. For all we know, the player appealed and won. It isn't final. Right. And I hope JJ is explaining that when he goes off on this rant that has become his pet project. And I'm sure the NFL is pissed off about it. Because if we were doing it all the time, they'd be pissed at us. You got to tell the rest of the story, JJ. There are appeal rights. And these hits you're complaining about, you may be finding the ones that are successful on appeal. That's why the process is there. The NFL is the prosecutor. The union is the defense attorney. It goes to a hearing officer who is hired by the league and the union jointly, paid by them jointly, and turns over a lot of these fines. And the problem is now that the NFL is fully transparent on the fines that are imposed, we never find out unless somebody leaks it or a player decides need to, to say it yeah. that the appeal was successful. And the NFL needs to do exactly. it. Exactly. The NFL every week lists the fines. Every week they should list the fines that were reduced or that were rescinded. There was an item from J.C. Treader, the union president, within the past few weeks where he listed the statistics of all the appeals that were successful last year. And it's a staggering amount. Whoever is trying to get this right in the league office isn't doing a very good job. So that's the other side of this. Yeah, It isn't just the NFL reaching in and taking that money. They're uh, trying to, and in a lot of cases, they're failing to. Yeah, okay, and that's good. A lot of cases, they're losing. They need, they, they need to fail, and, 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 and yes, a lot of it, again, I know it was negotiated. I get you there, right? But, like... The league's gone too far. It's gone a little too far and always trying to take the money that's away. That's why the appeal system yeah, there. Right. But that's so, why the appeal system. Okay, I know. That's the point. I, and and it needs to be it. more transparent through that, even though, you know, still there's a right. majority of them that, okay, it was a $15,000 fine. That still went down to a $5,000 fine. There's got to be a new system here, right? There's a little bit, no, uh, you know, I, the I, the, there, common handle. sense is allowed here. It's allowed. And that's where it doesn't For seem right. For the union right. to handle. Yeah. Right, I know, but it's for the union to handle. The union is the players, and the players have agreed to this. So there's a point where it has to just be accepted. This is the system they've agreed to, and if they don't like it, they're the ones who have to band together and change it. Because I don't know if they agreed on the system that the NFL was going to fine you for everything you do on a football field every game, Mike. I don't know. The the NFL has gone a little too far with the spirit of the language of the rule. I understand. Yeah. That's why the appeal system is there. Again, it's a high percentage that get overturned. I'm not saying the NFL is right in what they're saying okay, Mr. when they try to impose the fun. <laughs> my point is, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a tattoo I'll never have anywhere on my body. But but the point is this, it's only part of the story. And I don't I don't love it when someone like JJ Watt tells half the story because I almost feel like he's pandering to whoever. That it's a popular cause to go on social media and say they're stealing money from players. It's like, dude, you gotta tell the whole story. That $15,000 fine, that $50,000 fine, it might have been thrown out entirely. So I feel like some of it is a little social media manipulation. All right. So you're well, I think a little bit too just now I'm going to get caring about with players and people I, too. You know, he showed some examples of plays where you go, I don't know what anybody they, did wrong. There, right. there just should be no so, fine so sent at all. There should so be the nothing sent. The appeal wins. Okay. but So why go through it? The NFL, what are you trying to accomplish there? That's what we're getting to the root here. What are you trying to do? Yeah. It seems like a money grab a lot of the time. It seems over judicious. They don't take the money. I know. Whatever. They don't it's keep a, it's the a money. wrong example. That. Yeah, I know they don't keep the money. Right. right. Yeah. Now, right. the money goes to charity. It still don't make the it human right. Fund. Money for people. Okay. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was not injured as a result of any type of finable offense. As we mentioned earlier, his. His left tackle, and this is the definition of irony, they let the tackles leave a little early so they can keep the quarterback from getting hit, and the left tackle leaves early enough that he actually backs into the quarterback and steps on his ankle. And then when Trevor Lawrence fell down and got twisted all up under himself, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a little bit of knee ligament damage given the way that he fell, although so many of these guys are 
ridiculously flexible and they pop right up. But it just was weird. It was like he got shot by a sniper. Oh, he fell so fast. It's like, what in the world happened there? Well, you see the tackle getting his ankle, and then he falls down on his leg. Ugh. And Double you can tell right away it was a problem. So Doug Peterson, coach of the Jaguars, announced yesterday that Lawrence has a high ankle sprain. He hasn't been ruled out for week 14, and we saw him have a knee injury early this year, and he didn't miss a beat. So this guy's a tough SOB. Yes, a lot is. of the players, most of the players, a high percentage of the players are tough and they want to play and they're going to do whatever they have to do to get out there and go. And they need him. No surgery required, according to Peterson. It was just Monday that Kenny Pickett of the Steelers had surgery to rectify a high ankle sprain. But but not ruled out for Sunday at Cleveland. And then after that, Sunday Night Football, Ravens at Jaguars. Two critical games. The final three are winnable. By the Jaguars, as winnable as any game is in the NFL, because we know any given Sunday or Thursday or Saturday or whenever in the hell they play the games. But these next two games are critical. They need Trevor Lawrence to get these two wins if they want to win the one seed, Chris. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you know, coming off that loss, first off, an underwhelming performance against the Bengals with a backup quarterback. I mean, the Bengals offense goes up and down the field on the Jags defense, right? You know, that, that's concerning. So you're thinking, man, the Jags offense, they better be able, to be, be able to, you know, carry the load here. Are we about to get in a little bit of a, you know, bad spot with the Jags D? Christian Kirk got hurt on the first play of the game. So now you're without a little extra firepower in the pass game. Concerning, right? Lose that game, a game I think we all thought they would win against Jake Browning and company. Now you're sitting there, well, you're you're eight and four, you lose another game. I mean, forget number one seed right now, Mike. You know, I'm looking at them going, they better be careful, and there might be the number seven seed by next week, by the end of next week. We come in on Monday talking about football. They might be the seven seed. They might end up, you know, being out of the playoff picture here after this two game run with the way things are so jumbled up in the AFC right now. I mean, the Houston Texans are a game back and they're the eighth seed. I mean, so that's how close things are, and there's not a lot of wiggle room here to be dragging your feet or not playing good football or having your franchise quarterback be hurt. So that's where it is a little concerning. And, you know, going to Cleveland, we know that defense, you know, the, the by the lake, the weather, it's not going to be easy there, and especially if you got to throw a backup quarterback into that equation. No, I mean, that's not a recipe for success. And, of course, we know Baltimore and what they got their eyes on. So scary times for Jacksonville right now and Trevor Lawrence. And I hope he's okay and back sooner rather than later. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It is amazing when you consider the third and the 11th team yeah. are separated by two games. Right. And they play this weekend on Sunday. And it's going to be a close football game. Like, it's going to be a down-to-the-wire type of football game. Right. 
unbelievable when you think about how clustered they are. And you look at all those names on there, and you don't see the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is, which is maybe the most stunning development of all. This is a season that it's been as wide open as any. And the Patriots have struggled. I mean, this would be the classic opportunity for a Bill Belichick coach team to just kind of work its way through and pick off a win here and pick off a win there. And the next thing you know, they're in the playoffs and he's cooking up some defensive scheme to stymie the opposing quarterback. And they grab a win, grab a win, and then get killed by the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But they're not (laughs) even anywhere close to the conversation. And we get to watch them tomorrow night. Look, it's week 14. We've only got five weeks left of the regular season. I appreciate the Thursday night games. I appreciate the Monday night games because I know that before too long, on Thursday nights and Monday nights, I won't have anything to do. So I won't have football to watch. I'll still have things to do, but I won't have football to watch. Even with that, man, it's it's a challenge. It's your team, man. It's your favorite team. Patriots and Steelers. It's your favorite team. What are you worried about? You're going to watch the Steelers. First of all. And you're going to watch them sweat it out. That's what's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be like 10 to 9, and it's going to be amazing. So you'll you'll like it. (laughs) Could be the fourth straight game where the Patriots hold the opponent to 10 points or fewer and lose. First time since 1938, it's three in a row. It could be four in a row. And we know. We still don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the Patriots because Bill Belichick is playing this stupid-ass game again of three-card Monty with Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham, Will Greer, and Mac Jones. It looks like it's going to be Bailey Zappi, though we do know it's going to be Mitch Trubisky in for Kenny Pickett. Here's Trubisky from yesterday on how he's going to approach his first start of the 2023 season. Anytime you get on the field, uh, it's a great opportunity, so I'm looking forward to this for sure. We're trying to score points. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to take care of the football, um, and, and we got to play better as an offense. We, we're going against good defense this week, well-coached. Um, so we just got to do our job, execute well, I'll play all 11 together, and we want to be an aggressive offense. So whatever that means, taking care of the football, we got to find ways to score points. That's the bottom line. He said we're going to score points. I mean, I guess three points counts. We've scored points if we score three. <laughs> Multiple. I don't know points. how many more than three they're going to score against the Patriots defense. I mean, the Patriots defense has been very good. The problem is the offense yeah. is horrible. Yeah. So, no, you're and right. look, it's December football. Boy, it would be great if it would snow or something. But it's December football. It's the field formerly known as Heinz. It's, it's cold out in the Northeast. It'll be a cold night. Following. It'll be a good look. It was, it was cold last night. And yeah. It was spitting snow. I was down at the barn, and it feels like December. And it is December. It should feel like December. It is December. <laughs> but, hell, you know, on Sunday they had thunderstorms in Pittsburgh, yeah, so it right. wasn't feeling like December. Right. Hopefully on Thursday night there won't be any lightning no. delays no. on December 7th. Right. But, uh, yeah. Look, I mean, the Steelers need this one because they're right in the middle of that cluster of teams. And if they don't turn it around after getting embarrassed by the Cardinals on Sunday, they're going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, again, another team, you know, very little wiggle room here, right? I mean, we know, first off, it's it's a team that every game they play in the NFL is pretty much going to be close. They're a field goal game type of football team. You know, that's what they are. They've embraced that. And good for them for knowing what they are at this point. They're, they're a 17-14, 14-10. That's what you expect. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, I think Sunday screwed them over. The fact that there was three half times and they didn't get to imp- impose their physical will of wearing teams down like we you say in the viewing room every week. Here it goes. It's the fourth quarter. They're wearing the other team down. Look, they're out hitting them. They do all this crazy stuff. That got taken away from them. You know, let alone they probably took the opponent a little lightly as well. You know, we know that. Oh, oh they did. You know, I, yeah. We're, we're, we're on the same page. This is the next thing I was going to mention. Yeah. But, Deontay but, Johnson. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go said ahead. it. He said it. Yeah. He said I felt like that the whole week. Once we got out there, I just felt like something was different. We weren't at our best and whatnot. I feel like we just took them more lightly than we should have. How does that happen with a professional football team coached by Mike Tomlin? How does Mike Tomlin allow his team to take any team lightly, especially a Cardinals team that hasn't been embarrassed in many games this year? They beat the Cowboys. They've been in most of their games. How does this happen that Mike Tomlin, whose resume includes a Super Bowl win over the Cardinals, how does he allow his team to take that franchise lightly? Yeah, I, you know, he doesn't take anything lightly. We know Mike Tomlin, right? Uh, I, it's, it's, it's shocking to me, too. 
you know, the Mike Tomlin, whatever, the leaders on the football team for the Pittsburgh Steelers, all of that. You know, I think you play into the human psyche of, oh, we went on the road and beat the Bengals. You know, that was a big win for us. And then, oh, it's Arizona. And, you know, everybody's been telling us they're they're kind of tanking for the top spot all year. Or, or they're looking for a quarterback. They're trying to figure that out. I think that human psychosis plays into that a little bit, surely. Right? But, yeah, disappointing. Disappointing for a team where you know they're not good enough to go come come out and not – play with effort and physicality and be that team you know that that's what we're talking about that's how they kind of win football games by doing that to other teams out hitting them right and that that's where it'll be interesting on, on Thursday night against the New England Patriots right I mean Mitchell Trubisky the one thing I'll say about him the physical ability he has is every bit as good as Kenny Pickett if not better I mean I, I if they line up in a race I'm taking Mitchell Trubisky if you go who's got a oh, stronger absolutely. arm I'm taking Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, remember last year, all the, the talk about Trubisky, oh, he's not throwing the ball down the field. They're not throwing the ball down the field. And they bench him, and they throw the ball even shorter with Kenny Pickett. So we'll see if he can kind of start this or keep this new mantra of throw the ball down the field on a consistent basis going here. Uh, but I certainly don't look at it and go, man, Pittsburgh's offense, it's, it's going to be even worse now with Mitchell Trubisky. There's a part of me that goes, no, Mitchell Trubisky might bring a little bit of a more of a playmaking aspect to this offense that, that could give it a spark. As long as he doesn't do, you know, some reckless, stupid stuff, which, you know, quarterbacks who haven't played all season tend to do at times. Tomorrow night, here's your weather on the ones for Pittsburgh. The high is 44, the low is 32. No snow in the forecast, unfortunately, and it looks like the temperature will be right around 37. All right, a little warm, a so little it'll be warm. Cold. Yeah. You'll see the breath. I noticed for the first time this past weekend in yeah. one of these games, you could see the breath. That's part of that's part of the football you know, when it gets, becomes the fun part of the season, when you see the big clouds of steam and the breath and all that, you know it's cold out even if it isn't. It was probably the Sunday night game in, in Green Bay where we, we were seeing the big clouds of definitely, breath come out definitely. of the players. So we're moving in that direction. Would be nice to have a little snow. Maybe we'll have a good game. Hey, Monday night's game, we thought it was going to be a laugher. It ended up being a great oh, game. Oh, it was awesome. We had great primetime games this week. We did. And two of them would have been completely unexpected. We expected the Chiefs to handle – the Packers, we expected the Jaguars to handle the Bengals, and we got surprised in both of them. So maybe maybe the Patriots have a little trick up their sleeve well, let, on Thursday night for the Steelers. One turn, we'll you know, Trubisky's goal should be don't let New England's defense win it. I mean, that really should be the goal. Uh, that's really, I mean, you know, like, hey, Mitch, hey, Mitch, did you see the New England Patriots offense over the last month? No, neither did I. We haven't seen them. So just don't mess it up. They're, they're non-existent. Don't let the Patriots defense get the short field, get a turnover like that. You know, I, I think there's a this is a game that's setting up that yeah, it might be thirteen to six. It's gonna be hard hitting, right? But the Steelers need it and I expect them to pull through because of the, the desperation and they're a little more talented than the New England Patriots, obviously. When you're one of the few teams in the AFC that doesn't make it onto the eleven team grid of playoff teams and those in the hunt. Where does your motivation come from when the season's lost and you're checking the boxes and everybody expects the coach to be gone after the year? Is it as simple as pride? Because you got to balance the pride against the fact that you could end up with an injury that requires surgery and rehab for months into the offseason. Like, how do you still find yeah. a way to start the engine, Chris? What, what, what have you seen yeah. and heard and experienced sure. in your days as a player? When you get to garbage time of the season and you still got to go out there and find a way to perform. Well, it, it, it's pride, one. You know, two, you're still being evaluated. Like, you, you know, you always hear, right, the big eye in the sky doesn't lie. When you talk about film, you're everybody except for a few guys on every team are basically on a one-year contract. So you got to continue to play well because you know after the season everybody's a, the the team you're on is going to go through and go wait did he play up to our standards do we want to keep him next year we didn't play very good this year was he the reason we didn't play well right so there's that element you know it's your future it's what you're doing as far as you know making money the other thing is the majority of the guys in the locker room they like playing football right. There's like, like the feeling you have is, oh, man, right, we only got a few more weeks of this. I can't believe it's December. We better enjoy this. 
I, I remember being in games late in the year and going, damn, we're not playing for anything, but damn, here, this is great. We're outside. We're throwing footballs. It's the middle of December. This is awesome. You know, being in the stadium, you know, the electricity of that is still the pride, the com- competitive nature of the football player. You know, the fact that, wait, you know, I've been the man my whole life. I mean, I'm not used to losing and I'm never going to take losing, you know, easily or, 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 or you know, or, or slight, slight that feeling of I want to win and go out there. And two, because it's NFL professional football players, even when you are the team that's two and ten playing the team that's ten and two, you still go, damn, we got a lot of badass mofos in here. You know, we might not be as good as them, but, you know, there, there's we got talent. We went to big-time colleges. We know if we make a few plays and they make one or two mistakes, hey, this is the NFL. Even though we're 2-10, we might be able to pull off the upset. So I think those are the things that, you know, keep teams like New England Patriots and those players, you know, with the juices flowing a little bit, for, for lack of a better way to say it. Well, they took the Cardinals lightly. The Patriots have a two-win record as well. Hopefully, they won't take them lightly. And for the Patriots, here's the other side of it, too. This is it for them. They've got this game, and they've got the Christmas Eve game against the Broncos that are standalone, a team that's used to playing a lot of games on a big stage. So it's an opportunity on a Thursday night, everybody's watching, to go out and play for that pride and try to spoil things for the Steelers. You find your motivation where you can. I just... It's easy to say that individually. It's just collectively. There's such a weird vibe with the Patriots. Yeah, right there now. is. There really definitely is. is. I've seen more and more people in the Boston media, and I can't remember who this was, but I saw the tweet last night. Basically, the argument is, why are we waiting to fire Bill Belichick? Why not just be done with it? Now, I still think that the crafts are holding out some sort of hope that they're going to be able to get value for Bill Belichick from whichever team ends up wanting to employ him that he wants to be employed by. You get a draft pick as time. Some sort of a, you know, it's a trade as a practical matter, but it isn't really a trade. I just, you know, like like if they would get embarrassed tomorrow night and you got your mini buy with a few games left, you just give Gerard Mayo a chance to finish the year. I don't know. It's almost unthinkable that it would happen. Yeah, that whole thing. thing, Yeah, this whole crazy to see this this dynasty crash the way that it is. Everything about this is unprecedented. The six Super Bowls unprecedented in the in the time period that they won them, and to see the decline and to have it linger past the point in a year where Robert Kraft had hopes for at least a postseason berth, if not more, to see this happen the way it is, it who knows? Who knows? There's no precedent. That's what unprecedented no, means. There's no. nothing else anybody can draw on to say, what the hell are he, the Patriots going to do? He's earned the right to let them finish it out. I mean, what, what's 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 like you know to fire him right now? It doesn't do Gerard Mayo any good if you want him to be the guy that takes over. Oh, he gets to take over this dumpster fire right now, and then not look good too. And then they make him the you know permanent head coach, and everybody starts to go, "Whoa, they didn't look that much better with him at the end of the year, right?" So I don't think that's like a recipe for success if they want to do that. He is the greatest coach of all time. He is the reason we think of the New England Patriots the way we do. So you let them finish it out. And for the people that don't like Bill Belichick, you go, uh, well, hey, firing him might be letting him off the hook. Let him continue this last five weeks of misery and having to finish it out with this team, too. You know, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good look, and it all starts with, with the head coach, like you talked about. There's been a lot of decisions, you know, with personnel, draft, free agency, coaching, all of it has been bad, let alone, again, like we've talked about before, the way he treats people does him no favors. And the way he continues to treat people and talk to people is doing him no favors if he thinks that's going to get him a job somewhere else. Oh, geez. Hey, get get excited, fan base. The 70-plus-year-old curmudgeon who looks like he's past his prime and is going to treat everybody like they're a jerk in the media who asks a question, hey, here he's coming here to be the head coach. Like, that's your selling point? That That's, I mean, I hate to say that about Bill Belichick, but that's the You're way right, it though. looks and the reality right. of the situation right now. I've been saying it for the past few weeks, this stupid revolving door, and it's a big secret as to who the quarterback's going to be, as if it matters yeah. who the quarterback's going right. to be at this point. Right. It. It's the kind of thing that makes it harder to sell him to your fan base, right? 
and to your media. And the media is the conduit to the fan base. So, you know, the moment I, I could see this happening, the moment it starts to gurgle that maybe insert name of team is looking into Bill Belichick, the moment that happens, the media that covers that team is going to mobilize, whether they do it intentionally or not. They're going to mobilize against Bill Belichick because they don't want to have to deal with him. That's the price you pay for 20-plus years of being an asshole to everyone all the time. It works well when you're winning. It doesn't work when you're losing. And it's not going to make anyone roll out the red carpet among the media that covers the team, and then the fans are going to be influenced by it if the media with sufficient skill tells their their story and shares their opinion about why would we want this guy to be our coach he's not an offensive guru we need an offensive guru how they're already kind of preemptively slamming the door on him in carolina by saying and getting the word out to anyone who'll listen we want an offensive coach now i don't know that that's deliberately aimed at saying don't even think about bill belichick coming here but i can't imagine belichick and david tepper working together so i think we're gonna you know once we get there we're getting there soon We're a little over a month away from it. Once we get there and the carousel starts to spin, you watch. When we start hearing, oh, the the Chargers maybe, uh, boom, the media is going to come out strong. We don't want him. Buccaneers maybe, boom, we don't want him, and you shouldn't want him. Fan base and ownership shouldn't want him. It's going to be a strange time. It's already a strange time. It isn't going to get any better over the next month. Yeah. No, I I hear you there. I I concur, doctor. I concur. All right. Um. So, at one point, I looked down at the clock, and the, what we have left is like, hey, we got plenty of time. Now, we really don't have a lot of time to do what's on the menu next, and that is a 1 to 10 confidence scale for the various backup quarterbacks who are going to be factors in this playoff chase. Let's start with Mitch Trubisky. We don't know how long he's going to play, but him in the game, and we got to do these fairly quickly. Yeah, sometimes. okay. We don't I'll get be bogged down in the first one. I hear you. You talk, we've talked about him a little bit. One right. to ten. How much confidence do you have in him coming in and getting the job done and helping the Steelers hold this playoff push together? I'm going to give it a seven, right? There's always a part of me that wants to go higher than that. You know, the reason I'm just giving it a seven is we're so late into the season. And like I said, you, you know, you get to week 14. It's hard to come off the bench. I haven't done anything and everything, everybody else is in full swing football mode. But, like – do I look at it like, oh, Trubisky's in, now this Steelers offense is going to take a step back? Absolutely not. I don't think it's going to miss a beat. And I, like I said, I think there's a chance in some physical areas that he might be able to make a few more plays. So that's where I don't think anything's going to change for the Steelers offense, really. I'm going to go five just because I need to see it before I'm going to come to any conclusions. I've had so many changes offensively recently with Matt Canada out, and you've got two offensive coordinators. One guy's running the offense. The other one's calling the plays. And I'm looking what Trubisky did last year. In five starts, he had four touchdown passes and five interceptions. I know that's hardly dispositive on what he's going to do, but it wasn't like he was lighting the world on fire last year, which is one of the reasons why they were able to eventually go with the then-rookie Kenny Pickett. All right, C.J. Beathard. We don't know whether or not he's going to have to play. I wouldn't bet against Trevor Lawrence. But if Beathard has to play, he's been around for a while. He he was not bad on Monday night. They could have won that game. That holding call that was borderline in comparison to other calls we've seen not made. You don't make that holding call, and the Jaguars potentially win that game in overtime. So if Beathard has to play, 1-10, to 10, how much confidence? Uh, that's, uh, you know, he's played some ball, right? Uh, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go six here, right, around that range, five-ish, six, six. I'm going to go six. One, because, you know, again, it's it's you're playing the Cleveland Browns. That's one thing. Two, you know, hey, Jacksonville, they, they expect the quarterback to make throws. You know, Trevor Lawrence, you watch him on a week-in, week-out basis. I mean, he makes a lot of big throws, a lot of throws into tight windows, 10 and 15 yards down the middle of the field. Uh, so that's where – I kind of look at it, and the way their defense is play, play, played or playing and the way they play past defense, yeah, I think there's going to be a little pressure on him to you know, score some points, move the ball, do that. And I don't think he's as talented as a guy as Trubisky is. So, yeah, I'm going to go six with C.J. Beathard. Uh, he has played some ball. He should know where to go with it. I'll go I, – I hate to – 
pick the same number, but I think you're right. So why do I why force it higher or lower? Six makes sense. And this Trevor Lawrence injury has done the Jaguars defense quite a service. It has obscured the fact that they gave up four hundred and seriously one yards right? on Monday night right. to Jake Browning and company in Cincinnati. All right, Joe Flacco who very well may just carry this thing all the way to the end. Dorian Thompson-Robinson still in the concussion protocol, but Flacco played well enough against the Rams, even though they lost the game, to make people say, oh, why in the hell was this guy available when he was? Again, the Browns, 7-5. and five. They've lost two in a row. They have the Jaguars this week, and C.J. Beathard against Joe Flacco could be the game. What's your confidence level in the former Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, I mean, first off, last week was it was really good. I mean, when you take the circumstances, I watched the game on film yesterday. He made one mistake the whole game, and that was the interception, you know, late in the fourth quarter where he threw it up into double coverage late and couldn't really get his body into it. I mean, they had to rely on Joe Flacco's right arm to try to stay in this game. This is not the formula Cleveland, I think, envisioned. They want to run the ball and play defense. They didn't want to go, hey, we want to drop back 44 times or something like that with Joe Flacco, who hasn't been on a team all year. You know, But my confidence with him, uh, I'm going to give him an 8. I'm going to give him an 8. I mean, again, I, the Cleveland pass offense, what they do, I don't expect it to be thrown for 400 yards anyways, but can he manage the offense and make the big throws and do all of that? Yes, he certainly can. The big thing with him is just don't be too aggressive, Joe. That's the big thing. Don't hold the ball in the pocket too long like we've seen in years past where you're just, I'm waiting for that. Oh, he's going to come open on the 60-yard post. Oh, he's going to come up. Boom. Fumble, right? Or, oh, he's open by a half an inch 60 yards down the field. I'm going to let it go. Uh, No, there's two guys there. It was a half an inch open. That's where Joe Flacco has to watch himself. He can do everything else, but I'm going to give him a little more confidence than the two guys we've talked about already. So, eight for Joe Flacco. I'm going to go nine, and part of it is, and this is the <laughs> what are you price aspect and prices right loves. doing that to me there. I'm I'll, going to nine you. I love a. Lo- <laughs> I have I have a little I have a little desire to see some indirect chaos emerge from Joe Flacco doing well in Cleveland because I still want someone to find out why in the hell Joe Flacco isn't on the Jets. He played there last year. He wasn't horrible. They were desperate for anything. They went with Tim Boyle, who can't play, all due respect. Trevor Simeon, who can't play anymore, all due respect. The ones that has been, ones that never was. And those are your options when Zach Wilson flames out. Why wasn't Joe Flacco on that team? And I'd love to know, starting all the way at the top of the organization, Woody Johnson, why didn't he say to Joe Douglas, go out and get Joe Flacco? It's my team, and I'm telling you, go get Joe Flacco or, or, or was it possibly Woody Johnson saying to Joe Douglas, I'm sorry if you want Joe Flacco, I don't want him around here anymore. Either way, I'd love to know why Flacco wasn't gobbled up by the Jets because think of how different. When you look at how Flacco played off the couch for Cleveland, and I know it's a, a different offense with Nathaniel Hackett, but still, what could Flacco have done if they had turned to him the day after Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles tendon back in September. All right, Gardner Minshew. We've been, I mean, he doesn't even fall into the backup category. He's the guy. He's been the guy, right? right? I mean, what's your, what's your confidence level in him as he makes a playoff push for the Colts? It's high. I mean, it's, it's nine, right? It's, it's, it's up there. Gardner, I, I watched that film yesterday. I mean, Gardner Minshew, he, he can play. We know that. I mean, he really can. He's got a great natural feel for the football game, right? There's, some physical limitations. He's not a top-tier thrower. Like we talked about a little bit on Monday, you know, I think that's the reason people kind of always like, hey, ooh, he's good. He plays well. We can, put in, we can do everything we want in the offense. Uh, but, man, if he could just throw the ball a little bit better, right? There's a few throws in every game. There was a few throws this Sunday against the Tennessee Titans where you'd go, eh, a really top-notch quality of starter. They hit that, and boom, those are big plays. So he leaves some on the field, but still – you know, he's more than a manager of the offense, and he's slick, and he moves in the pocket well, and he makes a play with his legs every now and then, right? So I, I, he can run that offense, and Shane Sykin orchestrates it around him and knows what Gardner Minshew is. So nine for me in that department. I just would really love to know how teams perceive him because I feel like they view him differently, and they view him as not good enough, and he's proving he is good enough 
this year, thrust into service with Anthony Richardson out for the year. And if they get to the playoffs, I don't know how you cannot give him a real chance somewhere to be a starter in 2024. All right, Jake Browning. We saw what he was able to do on Monday night. He looked like Joe Burrow. Yeah. Scott Van Pelt said right. after the game, you look right. at the numbers, you just assume Joe Burrow played. Yeah. It's a pretty damn good Joe Burrow night for Jake Browning. Right. And, you know, they're still – that win puts them right in the thick Woo! of things, and they can still make it to the playoffs without Joe Burrow. Definitely. I mean, uh, I'm going to give him an eight. I'll throw him in the eight category. And I, I definitely wouldn't have done that, you know, before Monday night. I wasn't ready to go there. But it did look Joe Burrow. I mean, he even throws the ball like Joe Burrow. It's to a lesser talented extent. But still, I mean, in the pocket, the way he stood, the way he delivers it, it, it looks very Joe Burrow-ish. And what a great game plan and great job by Zach Taylor. I mean, they were so patient early on. I mean, I, I, there was one point in the game, Mike, right? Early on in the game, I was going, are they going to throw the ball past two yards today? Or are they just going to keep throwing screens out to and little just like stay passes to Jamar Chase? And, and they're just going to play like that. And slowly but surely, oh, here's Jamar Chase short. Here's Jamar Chase short. The defense starts to creep up a little bit and starts to open up some other things. And he gets in a rhythm. He did a great job. It was great coaching, great game plan by the Bengals. But I'll give eight uh, an eight for Jake Browning. Probably could be higher after that performance. I'd just like to see a little bit more, I guess is what I'm saying. And that's why I'm going to go seven, just because maybe they feasted on a defense that has been good in the past but was not good no, on Monday right, night because right. we saw what he did against the Steelers a week earlier. So let's see. Colts this weekend, Vikings the following Saturday, back-to-back home games. And, you know, it's funny, my, my son is, like, looking at that Bengals game, like, once we know no Joe Burrow, hey, it's Cincinnati's not far from here. Hey, maybe I'll uh, – me and a couple of my friends will go to that game. That, that, that talk ended after the Bengals won on Monday night because my son's learned the hard way that all that time and effort and money that you put in going to a game, if it ends up being a loss, you end up wishing you hadn't gone at all. All right, that's it. We've gotten through all of them. When we return, the Cowboys are gearing up for a gauntlet to end the season starting this week with the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll begin the process of getting you ready for the big Sunday night game when PFT Live continues right after. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.